News of the Times. The story of Mary Compton, the Poplar Witch, 1693. Number of murders, four known. This famous story comes to us from 1693 and actually involves three people. Mary Compton, the elder, Mary Compton, the younger, and a maid, Anne Davis. Mary Compton, the elder, was a midwife. She lived in Poplar in London, England. She was not a witch in the traditional sense of weaving spells, but was referred to as a witch due to the heinous nature of her crimes. She was accused of starving to death at least four infants in her care, similar to baby farmers in Victorian England. Mary Compton the Elder received payment to look after the poor unwanted children that had fallen under the care of the parishes. No checks were made on the welfare of the infants once they had been handed over. The records of this time are wordy. We have made some slight changes to make the newspaper records somewhat more easy to understand. Excerpts from the broadsides, 21st of October, 1693. A particular and exact account of the trial of Mary Compton, the bloody and most cruel midwife of Poplar, also of her maid, Mary Compton the Younger, who were both arraigned into the indictment for felony and murder in destroying, starving to death, and famishing several poor infant babes, also Anne Davis as accessory. On Thursday, the first day of the sessions, about ten o'clock in the morning, she, Mary Compton the Elder, was brought down to the sessions' house upon a porter's back, being very lame in her limbs, and was sent to the bar in a chair, her maid standing by her. The 17th century trial, English, is highly officious and wordy. We have shortened the key indictment charges. Both Mary Compton the Elder and Mary Compton the Younger are charged not having God before their eyes and being moved and seduced by the devil in and upon a female infant child under the age of 12 months, feloniously, willfully, maliciously and devilishly did make an assault. Charge 1. Mary Compton the Elder that you did not allow the said female infant sufficient and wholesome sustenance and necessary nourishment to sustain its life. On the 20th of August, the said child did perish and die. Mary Compton the Younger was present. Abetting, aiding and assisting Mary Compton the Elder. Both Marys are asked how they pled and both responded not guilty. Charge 2. You, referring to both Marys, stand a second time likewise indicted for the murder of a male child in the like manner. Are you guilty or not guilty? Both responded not guilty. Charge 3. You stand a third time indicted in the same manner for the murder of John Compton, an infant, in like manner in not allowing him necessary sustenance and nourishment. How say you, 
Are you guilty of this felony and murder or not guilty? Both responded, not guilty. Charge 4. You stand a fourth time indicted for the murder of one Anne Compton, an infant, in like manner as the former. How say you? Are you guilty of the felony and murder or not guilty? Both responded, not guilty. The Lord Chief Justice Holt, who tried the case, spoke to the midwife to mind what was said against her and ordered the keeper of the jail to let her know, she being a little dull of hearing, that she was now upon her life and therefore it did concern her to hear the evidence. Witness 1. Drake deposed. A little time before wits untied last, he was coming by the midwife's door in Poplar about nine or ten o'clock at night. Upon hearing a great noise, he went into the house to see what was the matter. When he came in, he found the prisoner, Mary Compton the Elder, much desensitized in drink, and the children crying about her for food. He asked her why she did not give them some victuals, and he looked further into the house to see if there was any food, but he could find nothing, neither bread, butter, cheese, no manner of sustenance whatsoever. There was a little infant in the cradle, tearing and yawning its mouth for lack of nourishment. A neighbour nearby came in and gave it some milk. After this, the church wardens and overseers warned her out of town, for which they had no thank from the court being told that it was their duty to have taken particular care of poor children. About the 20th of August last, there was a complaint made to the minister of the parish by some of the neighbours that the children wanted sustenance. The minister sent them some relief, and three children were put out to her, Mary Compton the elder. Two of them would go about the house, and one lay in a cradle, who died about three days after it was removed to another nurse. The nurse coming to Mary Compton's house to tell a little boy aged seven years that the child was dead and that he must go to the burying. Why, says the boy, there is one child, a brother of mine, who lies dead in the cellar. Take him and bury them both together. This raised a great consternation. They... The wardens made a diligent search for the cellar in every hole and every corner and at last on a shelf in a hand-basket. There they found two children dead with the maggots crawling about them to the great terror and amazement to all who behold such dreadful a sight. So he asked the maid, she being in the house, but the old woman Mary Compton the elder was gone abroad, what victuals she gave the children. She, the maid, replied she had nothing but cheese. What do you do for drink? was asked her. The maid replied, I gave them water. What if you can't get water? was asked. Then she says, we must go without it. The two children that were found in the handbasket were quite rotten, and almost a hatful of maggots and vermin came tumbling out of their bellies, and it could not be discerned if they were male or female. They had laid so long that they dropped to pieces when the basket was first opened. It stunk so prodigiously that no one was able to bear it. 
They dug in the same cellar, and there they found the bones and skulls of another child or two. There were two pieces of skull found. One of them was dry, and the other was fresh. The brains looked white, and streaks of blood appeared in it, as if it had not long been buried. This was Drake's evidence. Mary Compton, the elder, was asked if she wished to ask the witness any questions. She responded that he was the greatest rogue in England and a wicked liar. Witness 2. Daniel Parnell Daniel Parnell stated that he was present at the same time as Drake and that everything Drake had said was matter-of-fact and the very truth. Daniel goes on to recount the horrors of the babies and the maggots. He states that he saw the pieces of skull that were dug up in the cellar, that one of the skulls had hair upon it. It went on to say that Anne Davis, the maid, reported that she had buried a seaman's wife's child in the cellar. Mr Parnell went on to state that he saw three children alive in the house, and they ran up and down in the holes and corners and were in such a sad condition that no mortal man ever saw. He stated that one child lay in a cradle gaping for food, and when it came to have some warm sustenance, it died. The child had thrust its lips out and made what signs it could, but it could not speak, and it was past crying as it was so weak. It was about a quarter old, some four months, when it died. Witness 3, Mrs Greenwood. The next witness was Mrs Greenwood, who deposed that she had taken the child who had been found in the cradle to nurse. When she first had the child, it was in a manner dead. When she had it in her house, she tried to open the head clothes, but the head clothes were perished close to the skull and stuck into the flesh. The ears of the child were rotten and ready to drop off and stunk most loathsomely for want of looking after. There were perfect holes to be seen in the hips of the child and it was quite her opinion that the child had been starved to death. It died within three days after she had had it. More witnesses were brought in, the majority stating the same thing regarding the corpses of dead children with live vermin crawling out of their bodies. Payment It seems that several parishes had made use of Mary Compton the Elder. Three children had been given over to her for the care from St Mary's Lebeau, three children from Cree Church Parish, and five children from United Parishes. These children were given into her care lately. She was given five pounds a child from some and three pounds a child from other parishes, with the understanding that she would take the children wholly off the parish. No checks were made once the children were handed over, as the children were no longer the responsibility of the parish. The court were unsparing in their criticism of the parishes and stated that they were accessories to murder of such poor children in selling their lives for five pounds and three pounds a child. Summing up the evidence, the court spoke to Mary Compton the Elder thus. Mary Compton, you are charged with the murder of several children by starving them to death. You did take young children to breed up, and you did not do it as you ought to have done it. There were some found buried in a cellar, others in a handbasket. 
There was one in a cradle in such condition that the very skin came off its head, with the ears rotted off. There were children found upon a shelf with very vermin crawling about them. There were two pieces of skull found in the cellar. One seemed fresh and had brains. The other was petrified. Defence. Mary Crompton deposed that she had not buried the children in the cellar. She stated that she dared not come to her house for fear of being arrested. She went on to say the children never wanted for anything, even though she was not at the home. Questioning the maid, the court asked the maid what she had to say. The maid responded that when her mistress, Mary Compton, went away, she left her no money. For her part, she did not know anything on how the children came in to the cellar. The verdict. The jury withdrew for about half an hour and then brought in the verdict. Mary Compton, the elder, was found guilty of willful murder upon all four indictments. The maid, Mary Compton, the younger, was acquitted. Mary Compton, the elder, denied that she had done anything wrong right until the end. From Samuel Smith, the last dying speeches of criminals executed at Tyburn in October 1693. Mary Compton, condemned for murdering four children, put out to her to nurse, which she willfully starved that she might take more in their room. I visited her when she first was committed to Newgate, and I spent a considerable time with her after the public duties of the Sabbath were ended, she then being sick in her bed. I counselled her to call to mind the evil course of her life. She replied that she had been a great sinner, but would not confess any particular sin and denied the starving of any child. She came not to the chapel, still convicted of murdering four children. I endeavoured to make her sensible of that horrible and barbarous crime, but still she denied it, saying only that she had been a great sinner and many ways had provoked God, and that he had justly laid her upon his heavy wrath. Yet she remained secure that she should neither be condemned nor die for the said murderous practices. Being asked before her execution in what condition her soul stood before God, she still was insensible of her crimes and proved evidently against her. She said that her peace was made with God which words she uttered in a most trembling manner to the amazement of those who heard her presume of God's mercy upon so slight grounds. Mary Compton the Elder was executed in Holborn the 23rd of October 1693. Her maid, Anne Davis, who was considered quite ill, was burned on the hand and released. Mary Compton the Younger was acquitted. Thank you for watching and listening. This has been News of the Times, the story of Mary Compton, the Poplar Witch, 1693. And I am Robin Coles.